So, I'm Shandy Andy, and this is Unguarded Treasure. So, why Unguarded Treasure? Well, it was back at the back end of last year, I was actually thinking of blogging a bit, and I wanted a name for my blog. And I'm a big BX fan, so I had a flick through the BX, um, or the basic Montvay rule book, and I came across page 52, Unguarded Treasure. So that's what name I picked up for my blog, Unguarded Treasure, B52, in brackets. And I thought I'd carry that over to the podcast. Where we go from here, I'm uncertain, but let's give it a go. So let's start at the beginning. Where did my role-playing journey start? Well, unlike some people, I don't have this definitive memory of starting on April the 22nd, 1975, playing a fighter called Derek. I just don't have that sort of memory. I have a vague feeling I started in 1981. I'm pretty certain it was Dragon Quest. It was my first, that's the SPI, Dragon Quest. It was my first role-playing game with my best mate at the time, Alan. Or Big Al, as he's uh, known. And I still keep in contact with him to this day on Facebook. But he no longer role-plays, sadly. So we played a bit of Dragon Quest and somehow we only did it for a few sessions, I think. I think it was all very new. We were, you know, we played board games, etc, etc. And suddenly we were thrown into this um, role-playing game world. And I can certainly remember our Big Al bought the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons rule books. I know I, I got a feeling he had a part-time job, so he had a bit of money, whereas I was on pocket money. And I ended up getting the BX and <coughs> set, the Mulvey Cook Marsh. I certainly got the basic box set, possibly the expert box set a little bit later. But anyway, we, we got into the this... Dungeons and Dragons, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons world. And I have a feeling we played a mixed, merged rule set, not really realising that they were actually different games. We mainly played White Dwarf scenarios, I think. Certainly my mate Big Al ran uh, things like um, The Halls of Ties and Fame, uh, the Lich Way, I think there was one called Ember Forest. But there was a number of them that we played from White Dwarf, because um, we're based in the UK, so that was our default uh, source book, if you like. Now, where we went on from there... I'm a little uncertain. I can remember running Keep on the Borderlands, which obviously I got in the Mulvey BX set. Um, 
I've got to be honest, I can't remember any details about it. I can remember we ran it. I've got the pencil marks still in the scenario. Um, but how it ended up, what happened, I've no idea. And also the other thing that I find a bit confusing is I can't remember any of the characters I ran in Big Owls. I, I have a vague feeling I ran an elf who turned out to be a bit of a murder hobo. There was only me and him, so I think I ran about four or five characters. But I really have no recollection about what, who they were, what they were, or anything like that. So I have a big envy on these guys, you know, who can remember all those years ago about what they were running their first characters, their first character deaths. Because I really have no recollection at all, if I'm honest. I just know we had a really good time. It was just a magical time. But the details? No, I'm sorry. Too long ago. So, why do I think it was 1981 I started to roleplay? Well, I only have a recollection of three Christmas presents that my parents actually bought me. I mean, don't get me wrong, they bought me loads of good presents at Christmas. But there's only three I can definitely recall. One of them was when I was five years old, and that was an action man um, with a, uh, a, a horse trooper from uh, Trooping the Colour, and a horse uh, that they bought me for reasons I have no idea, as it was just lost on a, a five-year-old. The next one I can remember was in 1981, when I had asked for... Um, the Judges Guild, city-state of the World Emperor, and incredibly, my parents bought it me. Um, the other one, uh, just for reference, was in the 1990s, which was just a uh, box of 24 beers, which um, for a young man at that time was an awesome present. But anyway, getting back to the uh, Judges Guild, they, they bought me that, and I can just remember reading and reading and reading it and just my mind was blown the ideas that were coming out of it however I have to say it was probably a little too adult for me because I was uh, 14 at the time and I possibly didn't appreciate it as much as I should have done at the time but oh it set a seed and we'll come on to that later it set a seed in my mind um, I can certainly remember, definitely in 1982 in May, I bought um, the Greyhawk uh, portfolio set. Uh, and I can remember that because we went over to the USA on holiday. And, um, you know, we, we had a great time. We went to Florida, we went to Disney World, we went to um, Cape uh, Kennedy all that type of stuff but the biggest impression for me was going into a store in the United States and being able to buy Greyhawk and I have to say it probably seduced me a little bit it was so glossy compared with the Judges Guild and 
for probably the next, I don't know, two, three, four years, I had more of a focus on that than I did on the um, Judges Guild. So that takes me right up until I basically left for Polytechnic at the age of 18. Okay, so I'm now at Polytechnic. Fresh as wheat. I turn up, there's a role-playing club. I can't believe it. So I go along to it, um, all set up. I've uh, played some D&D. I've actually played a bit of Call of Cthulhu at this stage as well, because my mate Big Al got me into that. Um, but it's RuneQuest, and I'm thinking... Uh, Okay, let's give it a go. But it turns out the guy who was my game master, still in contact with him to this day, uh, in fact two months ago, called in to see him, Sean. Um, it started a lifelong group which we still run to this day with a number of us. We don't meet that often because we split up all over the UK. But anyway, we met up that first week. Uh, Sean took me under his wing, me a young, naive 18-year-old, and we started on the RuneQuest. And I continued to play RuneQuest with the same character, Sorid Ronifer, for about five years. And he is the highest level character I've ever managed to get. Um, I've still got about four character sheets because I used to, you know, rewrite them once, you know, the amount of beer had been spilt on it to make it unreadable or whatever. And it's great to actually look back now and see how he developed. He started out with an int of eight. He was infamous for it. He was not the brightest character, but he was loyal. He was strong uh, and he hit things over the head very hard. But by the time... I actually finished with him. He had an int of 12. And it was because he, he... That was his mission in life. He wanted to be as bright as all the people around him. And he got various bonuses. I, I'm sure they probably weren't in the rule book. But as you do, um, we were homebrewing. Sean was a brilliant uh, GM. And he got him up to uh, int 12, where at least he could <laughs> converse the rest of the characters without too much impediment I also played a lot of Call of Cthulhu at uh, Polytechnic uh, we're, we're now in the mid 80s um, played under what is still the best session I ever played under um, uh, a guy called Brian Jones who again I'm still in contact with Facebook sadly I haven't seen Brian in a many many years but uh, hopefully I'll I will go and see him shortly. He lives now up in Scotland. But I can remember we had one session with Cthulhu where uh, me and my best mate at the time, Garth, who we almost had a telepathic, um, you know, as you do, you know, young guys at that age. Uh, we were playing together and I remember uh, Brian, um, I ended up with a, a phobia where I was um, basically thought that uh, the walls of any rooms were, and the ceiling were caving in on me. 
and uh, my mate Garth's character had a phobia that he believed everything I said. And I can just remember sitting in my front room, Brian running it, and he's very informal, Brian. Brilliant, brilliant Cthulhu uh, uh, GM, or uh, as you want to call it. And me just walking into a, a room and Brian just describing it as you do in Cthulhu. And, and I just looked at Garth and Garth looked at me. And I could just look this, he just had this look of despondency about him because he, he guessed what I was about to do. And I looked up at the ceiling and I looked at the walls and I started to just sink into my seat. And basically he twigged straight away. He did the same. Brian looked at us as though we'd gone slightly strange on him and then twigged what we were doing too. And it just turned out to be that, I'm sure you've all had it, where it's just that one amazing role-playing session where you just take it right to the nth degree and you just have a great time. And we role-played under a table. I can remember it because I wouldn't come out of the table until I'd been convinced that I could do it. And Garth was there sitting under the table trying to convince me to get out of the table and we just forgot about the scenario. I don't even remember what it was all about. But it was just a brilliant hour. And that's how long it must have been. Of him convincing me. And eventually I got out from under the table. And we, w we then got out of the room in the scenario. And then of course every time Brian had an opportunity. We were going into rooms. And we were having to deal with this. No dice were rolled, it was just pure role-playing. And that's what I love about our hobby. I just remember those few sessions when we just immersed ourselves in this bizarre concept that our characters just had these couple of phobias and we didn't care anything about what the scenario was about or you know anything else. It was just all about the characters. A rare, rare event, but wow. So it's probably worth mentioning, I, um, it must have been 1985, I ran what was certainly the probably the one and only uh, successful campaign I ever ran. Um, it, it was Advanced D&D First Ed. We had uh, me and three guys I was running it for at the time. And... I just ran, it was uh, some White Dwarf scenarios, it was some modules, it was some stuff I'd made up. But it was basically um, for Ian, Wayne and Jeff, uh, three guys, uh, we'd all, uh, we all made an agreement. We were going to go into our um, house in the second year of our degree, um, you know, because we'd sort of got together and we're going to do that. And it all fell apart, of course, because... Um, Unfortunately, if I remember rightly, Ian dropped out completely because um, he failed the exams. Me and Jeff had to resit them, and Wayne probably realised that he wasn't going to uh, pass his <laughs> degree if he hung around with us, and moved off uh, into uh, another circle of friends. Um, and it was uh, it was sad in a way, but we had six months of glorious role playing. Uh, 
the highlights. Uh, what, what one scenario I can remember? I mean, going back to the eighties, it was um, it was very much um, you know you went into rooms, you killed things, you grabbed the treasure, you got the experience. But I was never really into that, if I'm honest. Uh, and as a DM, I tried to steer him away from it, and I ran a scenario with absolutely no encounters in whatsoever fighting. There were traps, there were um, puzzles and thing, things. And I always have this... Um, I mean, I probably aren't recording it completely accurately, but I can remember at the end of the session that we'd had, it had been a brilliant session, and I was packing up my stuff, and I got that buzz that you do, thinking, that was really good. And Ian, uh, just walking away from the table at the end, after he packed up his dice and everything, was suddenly stopping and turning to me and says, hang on, we didn't kill anything. And I just smiled at him. And he looked at me and he said, oh, it was a brilliant session there, wasn't it? Um, now, I might be remembering that wrong, but that's how I remember it. And I can remember thinking, wow, you know, uh, I managed to do something a bit different to everything else here. And they were great. I don't know how many scenarios we played, probably a dozen, maybe, in tops. I've got a vague feeling we played this Insta Secret Salt Marsh. I've certainly got the marks in the, in the uh, module to say that we played it, and I'm pretty certain that's when I played it. But again, I'm sorry, my memory's so hazy. Um, but that was really great. But one amendment I'd make on the, the, this um, about saying about this campaign is, um, I, you know, I dropped out. Uh, Ian dropped out. Jeff dropped out. Wayne didn't. He got his degree in the end, um, so probably made the right decision, I guess, because we were just more interested in role playing than we were in doing our degree. But I met Wayne about three or four years later. Um, I was just walking down Worcester High Street and uh, Wayne was a Welshman and as you do you're just walking down and suddenly I hear this voice go Hey, boy you it's the DM it's the DM and sure enough it was Wayne um, and it remained with me to this day I was the DM, not a DM, I was his DM. He probably hadn't played uh, Dungeons & Dragons since that campaign. But um, it's a wonderful memory and it still sticks with me to this day. So I, I don't know, is that of any interest to anyone? Am I just doing this for myself? I don't know. I hope it is of some interest people can relate to what I'm talking about you've had probably similar experiences tell me about them you know if there's any interest in this podcast I'll perhaps do a second one and I'll carry on and bring you up to date with where I am with my role playing experience and then perhaps even start to have some thoughts on the role playing where it is today um, as compared with where it was all those years ago anyway that's it so is it a treasure is it unguarded certainly unguarded because anyone can get to it whether it's a treasure or not I don't know
might be fool's gold. Anyway, Shandy Andy, signing out, and I hope you've enjoyed this.